Maybe he'll get out of the garden later tonight, right? Okay. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful that we can be here tonight. We're thankful, Lord, for the place that you have provided for us to meet. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I pray that you would use it this evening to be a help to us. God, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts uh, in whatever area uh, it may be needed. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. I think most of you know that for the last three messages out of the uh, study we've been in for Corin- or in Corinthians, uh, for the last three weeks, we have been looking at Paul explaining to the believers in Corinth what biblical love is, what godly love is. And tonight, very quickly, I'm going to review each aspect of this. And I'm not doing it just to fill time. I'm not doing it just to, to take up some space here. I'm doing this because I think the reminder is good. I think it's necessary. I think it's helpful. And so I want to I just, again, go through this very quickly, uh, what Paul said charity or love is. He said, charity suffereth long. All right, charity suffereth long. What does it mean whenever he said charity suffereth long? It means this, that we as people will not be easily annoyed when we are inconvenienced or taken advantage of. All right? will not be easily annoyed when we are taken advantage of or easily, or, or uh, when we are inconvenienced. <laughs> will not be easily annoyed when we're inconvenienced or taken advantage of. He said love is kind or charity is kind. That is when we have a desire to be useful or to be a help. He said it envieth not, which means will not be jealous of others, their successes, Uh, When things go well for them, we'll not be envious. We'll vaunt not ourself, meaning we will not brag, we will not boast, we will not uh, build ourselves up to others. We'll not be puffed up. He said whenever we love the way that we're supposed to, we will never assume that we are better than anyone else. We will realize that we are equal. He said that love does not behave itself unseemly, which means we will not be inconsiderate of others. We will be mindful of those that we come into contact with. He said love does not seek her own, which means we do not have to have things done our way. And then he said love is not easily provoked, which means we are not angered quickly. He went on to say that love thinketh no evil, which means we do not keep track of wrongs or offenses committed against us by others. He said love will not rejoice in iniquity. We would never celebrate or find joy in a person's life of disobedience to the word of God. But he said that love will rejoice in the truth. We should celebrate and we should find joy when people are walking in obedience to God's word. He said, love beareth all things, which means we will try to protect others, and we will never intentionally embarrass or humiliate someone. Then he said, believeth all things, so we are supposed to assume the best of people and not just naturally 
assume or believe the worst of someone. Then he said, hopeth all things. We will continue to hope the best for people, even when it's not easy. And then charity endureth all things. Charity just keeps loving, even when it's hard. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but just to go over that list one more time, it reminds me how weighty biblical love is. And throughout these last few messages, I've said to us over and over again, it is serious and it is very important that we consider these aspects of love because what Paul says in relation to these things And so tonight, as we are going to look at a few more verses that we're familiar with, I just want to throw this out here to us, okay? I want us to think about this. Every one of us at different times in our lives have engaged in different things. I know that you have as well as you know that I have. We have engaged in different things. And here is what we know. Whenever we are engaged in a project, whatever it is, we know if we're really trying. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? We know if we're trying. You know if you gave an honest day's work today for the job that you had. You know if you were involved in some other task, if you really gave it your best, or if you just kind of coasted and got through it. We know, don't we, whether or not we're giving it our best, or if we're just kind of sliding through, not giving a complete effort. Now, I say that tonight to say this. In these next few verses, here's what we're going to see. We're going to to watch as Paul gives some hypothetical situations. These are not necessarily true of the Apostle Paul, but basically he is saying this. What if these things are true? What if these things are so? So if you notice in verse number 1, He said this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now I'm going to rephrase it a little bit tonight because of how it helps me understand the passage and will hopefully help me in the delivery of this message. So basically uh, what Paul is saying here to the believers in Corinth is this, is suppose for a moment... I was able to speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Whenever Paul speaks of tongues here in verse number 1, what is he talking about? He's talking about a language here. All right, He's not talking about what the charismatic movement would identify as tongues. He's not talking about some prayer language that he would not be able to identify or anything of that nature. He is talking about a language that a people group, that a nation would speak... And he said, suppose for just a moment that I was able to speak the tongues of men. Wouldn't that be impressive? I don't know about you. I don't know if I'm normal here or if I'm a little bit weird and peculiar. But I'm amazed at people who know other languages. I I am amazed at people who can be speaking this language one moment and then turn around and and be speaking another language another moment. And and my mom used to work with a lady, and she spoke seven languages. And, and, And I just thought, how incredible is that? 
So you read these words of the Apostle Paul and he says, Suppose I could speak with the tongues of men. Suppose I could identify with and converse with, you know, people, whomever I would come into contact with. I think if you and I were honest, if we were around someone who had the ability to communicate with whomever they were talking to, I think most of us would be impressed, would we not? I would be anyways. I know this for sure, that if the Apostle Paul knew the language of the angels, that would be quite impressive. I don't know what that would sound like. I don't know what the dialect would be. I don't know exactly how it would be you know, conveyed. But Paul said, just suppose for a moment if I had that ability. Well, again, knowing me and knowing how some of you would be and probably how many of the believers in Corinth would be, if that were true of the Apostle Paul, we would say, man, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty neat. Then he says in verse number 2, suppose this were true. Suppose I have the gift of prophecy. Suppose I have the gift of prophecy. What does it mean to have the gift of prophecy? Well, it would be this, to, to have the ability to foretell future events through the avenue or through the forum of preaching. Well, that too would be astounding, would it not? I mean, for someone to be able to foretell the, the events of the future, that would be incredible. It, it's more here than just the idea of preaching, because I think most of us would say the Apostle Paul did have the gift of prophesying or the gift of declaring the Word of God. And so it's a little different here, this idea of prophecy. So he said, suppose I had the gift of prophecy in a way that would be unique, in a way that would not be normal. Again, most people would consider that to be impressive. He goes on to say, consider for just a moment that I could understand all mysteries. What does it mean when Paul speaks of mysteries? It means this, things that are hidden, things that are concealed, things that are not revealed. And there are certainly some things out there that are hidden to average man. Uh, there's not anyone who understands all mysteries. But suppose for just a moment, from the spiritual standpoint, if you had a question, you could go to the Apostle Paul and you could say, Paul, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand what the Lord is trying to communicate here. I don't understand what the Lord is trying to, to say here. Can you imagine if you could talk to someone and every time they had the exact answers? I'm telling you, it would be impressive. Because here is what I know as a pastor for sure about myself. There are just certain things about the Word of God I don't understand, and I can promise you I will not understand them until I get to heaven. And if anyone thinks they understand all misery, mysteries, that is a person who is arrogant among the arrogant. Because no one understands all mysteries. So here is Paul, and he says to the believers in Corinth, suppose that were true. Suppose that were so, that I could understand all mysteries. Well, that would be amazing. Notice what he said next, and, and all knowledge. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about just a general understanding of everything. You know what this is like, don't you? Sometimes you meet people, and you're just amazed at their wealth of information, their their understanding of so many different things. Have you ever talked to someone like that? 
you can have an intelligent conversation with them as far as your intelligence is concerned about this or about this or about this, and they can talk about this, and, and it's just astounding. But the truth of the matter is this, is no one understands everything. I mean, it's not just the Scripture that no one understands completely and fully. There is no one who has a working knowledge of everything that is going on in our world. But Paul said, suppose for just a moment, that in addition to understanding all mysteries, that I had a knowledge of all things, a working knowledge of anything that could be discussed, you and I would stand there or sit there in awe of him and his knowledge. So he said, suppose I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. If we're honest, most of us have not seen that kind of faith, have we? I've never been around someone who said, watch this. See that mountain? We're going to move it over here. Now, I've just, I've never been there. I've never been with someone of that caliber. I've never been of some, with someone of that measure of faith. So Paul said, suppose I had that kind of faith. Well, again, I don't mean to be repetitive, but this is just the, the, the simplest way that I can say it. If I was around someone with that kind of faith, I would be in awe of them. And so here's Paul, and he says, suppose for just a moment I could speak the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. Well, that'd be fantastic. And though I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, he said, and though I bestow all my goods, in verse number 3, to feed the poor. What does that mean? It means this. Suppose I were to take all my earthly possessions, everything that I own, and if I were to take those and convert it into cash, convert it into whatever it would take to be able to feed the poor what about that well if you and I are honest we don't know anybody who's been willing to do that not personally see not one of you have been willing to sell everything you've got to feed the poor I've certainly not been that person I've still got possessions and and so if I met someone with that kind of generosity if I met someone with that kind of benevolence in their heart uh, again, I, I would be impressed with that. So he said, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. What does that mean? It means this. I'm willing to die for what I believe. I'm willing to be a martyr for what I've placed my faith in. Would that get your attention? Well, it would get mine. Because as much as I'd like to think I would be that person, I don't know that I would be. I'm not going to stand here and tell you, oh, I'm ready to die for my faith. And I don't think it would be wise for you to stand here and say, oh, I know I'm ready to die for my faith. We would all like to think that to be so. And again, for the Apostle Paul at this moment, it was somewhat hypothetical because he was not being asked to die for his faith or to be burned right now. But at the same time, he is saying, suppose this were so, well, we would look at someone's dedication, we would look at their commitment, we would look at their willingness to die for what they believed in, for their faith, and we would say that is commendable in ways that would be hard to express. 
So here's the Apostle Paul, and he goes through all of these what-ifs, all of these suppose, what if these things were true. And we know how these verses progress. We know what Paul is getting to. So if you go back to verse number 1, he says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Paul says, if I can communicate with any person out there, if I could speak the language of the angels, and I don't love like I'm supposed to, and you know what he said? He said, every word that I would speak would be nothing more than sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. We know what that means, don't we? The word sounding brass means this, the roaring or the noise of just a brass instrument. If you've ever been around someone trying to play a brass instrument who doesn't know what they're doing, you know how bad that sounds. Many of us know exactly what I'm talking about. We've heard it. It's not melodic. It's not beautiful. It's not soothing. It's not impressive. And so here's what he said. He said, if I was able to speak the tongues of men, the languages of men and of angels, and I don't love the way God has called me to love, then I sound like one of those brass instruments being played by someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And friends, it negates everything by way of my ability to communicate with men or of angels. He said it also sounds like a tinkling cymbal, which just means this, the clanging or the banging of cymbals. That's not a pretty sound either. It's a wonderful thing at the right place, at the right time. It's a wonderful thing when it's done with the right amount of expression. But if someone's got cymbals and they're just clanging them back and forth, about how long does it take to want to go crazy? Doesn't take long, does it? What is Paul saying? He's saying this. If I don't love the way I'm supposed to, then you know what my words sound like? Like a piece of brass by way of instrument that's just being roared out there and the cymbals that are just clanging. And there's nothing impressive or beautiful or commendable about it. It's horrible. So in verse number 2 he said, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. But what is nothing? It's just that, isn't it? It's nothing. It's a big zero. It's pointless. There is no purpose to it at all. And so he said in verse number 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. 
So Paul said, you know what? I could sell everything I've got and give it to the poor. And if I don't love people the way that I'm supposed to love people, then it does me no good. And he said, I could even offer up my body to be burned. And as commendable as that may appear to people on the outside, if I don't have charity, then me becoming a martyr for my cause would do me no good whatsoever. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to say to the Apostle Paul from my fleshly side, I'd like to say, Paul, you're taking this too serious. Paul, you're making too much of this. Paul, you're expecting too much. Paul, you're you're requiring too much. Paul, you're demanding too much. But the Apostle Paul was writing under the authority and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So here he is writing to believers in Corinth who really aren't doing so well in the category of biblical love. They are divisive, they are hateful, they are, they are arguing over who's got the more important gifts and we're superior and you're inferior and all these things are going on and Paul just interrupts everything and he said, I want you to understand, it does not matter how good I may be on the outside, it doesn't matter what I may be able to do, what I may be able to accomplish, it doesn't matter what I may offer up by way of my possessions to feed the poor or allow my body to be burned on behalf of what I believe. He said, if I do all of these things and I don't love like I should, then friends, I am wasting my time going through every bit of this. So here's Paul and he says this. You know, if I allow myself to get annoyed easily, Because someone has inconvenienced me. Someone's taken advantage of me. If I, listen, if I allow that to be a pattern in my life, I may get up and I may preach a wonderful sermon. I, I may say some wonderful things. I might even be able to impress some people. But, but if I allow people to annoy me that easily, I'm not loving like I'm supposed to. So that kind of means everything I've been doing is a waste. You know those those times that I get jealous? You know, I, I, I get envious? Not, not that I would tell anybody around me that I'm jealous, but in my heart I, I'm struggling with jealousy and, and I'm allowing jealousy to take root in my life and, and, and it's just constantly brewing within me. I may get up and I may do some wonderful things in the, in the form of religion, in the form of godliness, in the form of Christianity, but if I am envious of my brother or my sister, what God has blessed them with, and, and I'm not enjoying then friends, what I'm doing is really just a waste of time. You know, if I'm puffed up, you know, I'm just a a little bit better than everyone else around me. Yeah, I got all the answers. Yeah, boy, you know, I know the Scripture better than everyone else. My walk with God's just a little bit better than everyone else's. Yeah, but you know, I'm just, I'm a little above them. 
Well, if I've got that attitude in my heart, you know what Paul said? Whatever I may do in the name of Christianity, in the name of serving the Lord, do you know that it's a waste of time? It profiteth me nothing. I'm nothing more than sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. It's a waste. Do you realize how serious the Apostle Paul said love is? He said, listen, believers in Corinth, if I can do all these things, suppose all these things were true of me, if I did every bit of this, if every bit of this could be said of me, but I did it without love for my brothers and my sisters and my fellow man in the way that I ought, I really ought to just hang it up. Because it's not doing anybody any good. I'm nothing if I don't love like I should, regardless of how good I may appear to others. So this evening, if we think about the last three messages... We don't need to go through the list again by way of a lengthy explanation, but think about it. Suffereth long, kind, envieth not, vaunteth not itself, not puffed up, behaveth not itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, does rejoice in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. When we think about that list, do we realize how important it is? Because whether or not we are living these truths determines whether or not what we're doing is even worth the time and the energy we're putting into it. See, we could apply this in so many different ways because... I don't think most of us are sitting here thinking, suppose I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels. That's really not usually my concern. But for someone like myself, it may be something like this. Suppose I put together a really good Sunday school lesson. Suppose I put together a really good Sunday morning, Sunday evening, or Wednesday evening sermon. Suppose I put a really good sermon together and it comes out just wonderful. It comes out clear. It comes out with a smooth delivery. I'm not stumbling over my words. Everything comes out the way I want. As good, as impressive as that may be to someone else, as good as I may feel about it, Friends, if I'm not loving people, then do you know how worthless and how pointless the Sunday school lesson or the sermon is? See, if I've allowed myself to be annoyed all week by people because they've just irritated me, and they're bothering me, and they're frustrating me, and if that's a pattern in my life, and 
And, and if you just want to insert anything else in there that, that I may be doing, that I may be guilty of, that I, maybe I'm not doing, if, if that is what defines me, then it doesn't matter how good my sermons are or how good the Sunday school lessons are, and it doesn't matter how good yours may be if we're not loving the way we're supposed to. We're sounding brass, we're tinkling cymbals, we are nothing, and it profits us nothing. It's of no value. Most of you aren't in a position to where you would do public speaking, at least in the church setting. But see, you could sit here this evening and you might say something like this. You know, I've got a pretty good grasp of the Word of God. I've, I, I've got a pretty good understanding of the mysteries. I'm pretty solid on what the Word says here. And I'm pretty solid with, with what the Word is teaching here. You know, all that could be true. But, if you don't love like you should, then it doesn't matter how smart you think you are. So you may be able to have a theological conversation with someone. You may be able to, be, uh, to debate someone. And, and you may make the perfect case. And you may put that person in their place. And you may be able to walk away saying, Ha! Victory! I showed them. Yeah, good for you. you don't love like you should didn't do any good see it's as simple as this if if you don't have a desire to be a help to people you don't want to serve people come on that's an aspect of love right you don't want to serve, you don't want to help, and you're good with that, then you know what that does? It negates any Bible knowledge or understanding or prophecy that we may have. It just totally negates it because you're so selfish, you don't want to serve. So what good does the understanding of mysteries do? If you have to have your way, I don't mean like in a childish fashion where you throw your little fits and have your temper tantrums, but, but if you have to have your own way when you're dealing with people and interacting with people, if that's what defines you, then it doesn't matter how much you give away. You understand this? You know, I mean, if you were to bestow all of your goods and, and give those things to feed the poor and, and you've got a quick temper and you've justified it and you've rationalized it, it doesn't matter how generous you are. Profits you nothing, you are nothing, and just sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And if you and I were to somehow be called upon to die for our faith and we went through with that, 
and we didn't love, then to die for our faith would be a waste of time. Think about it. If we don't love the way that we're supposed to, then it doesn't matter how much we pray, it doesn't matter how much we read, it doesn't matter how often we attend, it doesn't matter how much we give, it doesn't matter how much we do, it doesn't matter what we say, none of that matters if we don't love because when we fail to love like we should, then everything that we're engaged in is pointless. That's why I've tried to stress it the last three sermons. It's important that we do these things because of the effect it has on our spiritual lives. Now, this evening, I just want to say this and, and we'll be done. But engaging in biblical love, because it is an action, it's like anything else. We're either giving it our best or we're coasting. So you and I will never completely reach perfect love because we are sinful, fallen individuals. You and I will never love perfectly because God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they are the only ones who love perfectly. You and I will never love perfectly and flawlessly. But the truth of the matter is this. We know whether or not we're trying. We know whether or not this is important to us. We know whether or not this is priority to us. Or if we're just going through the motions, but we're not really concerning ourselves with it. I don't want to beat this into the ground. I really don't. But I want us to think about this. You know whether or not you're realizing that you've been annoyed easily lately. Come on. If you think about it, you realize, okay, I'm letting myself get annoyed lately and it's been happening way too easy and God, I need your help because I'm not loving the way that I'm supposed to. You know that. I know that. I got behind a driver today that was, I mean, just incredibly slow and I didn't know why. I didn't know what was going on. And my first reaction was annoyed and then it was like the Holy Spirit said, take it easy. It's going to make like 10 seconds difference. But we know whether or not we're working on it. We know whether or not our temper is what it's supposed to be. We know whether or not we're working on being envious and jealous or whatever it may be. We know. None of us will bat a thousand. None of us will get it right every time. But we know whether or not we're striving to do these things. Are there some in this church who are striving to do it? Of course there are. But are there some in this church who have heard all three sermons about what biblical love is and they have continued on without really altering or modifying anything? Of course there are. And if we're not striving 
for love, the way that the Scripture defines it, then Paul said to the Corinthian believers, and he would say to us, guys, you're wasting your time. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got other things I could be doing. So if I'm not going to do this right, why would I waste the time? If, if you're not going to try, if you're not going to do this, then why are you wasting the time? You, you might as well just say, you know what, I've got better things to do on a Wednesday night and all day Sunday. And that's what I'm going to pursue because I'm really not interested in loving the way Scripture tells me to love. Friends, we're either striving for it and it's worth something or we're going through the motions and we're wasting our time and only you know to what extent you're pursuing it. I just challenge us tonight to be honest with ourselves, answer the question, how serious am I about pursuing biblical, godly love and acting it out the way I'm supposed to? Because if you're not acting it out the way that you ought, it doesn't matter what we're doing. It's a waste of time. Let's all stand this evening and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. Holy Spirit, I know that you are able and that you are willing and you are desirous to speak to each of our hearts. And Lord, if we will let you, you will show us whether or not we are putting forth the effort to love like we ought. You will show us whether or not we are working on it like we ought or if we have been a listener, a hearer, but we have not been a doer. God, you know what our temper is like. You know what our memory is like. And if we're holding grudges that have been there for years, you know if we're envious. You know everything, Lord. And so I pray that you would speak to our hearts however you would need to tonight. Because it would be such a waste to continue to go through the motions week after week, month after month, if we're not going to love the way that we're supposed to. So I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.